Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. If you just listened to the beginning of this show, that is the GOAT of all NBA previews, the NBA on NBC opener. So with that being said, it's been a while since I've recorded some NBA content. We had an NBA Finals that went to Canada and not to by the Bay, which surprised a lot of people in America, that is, not in Canada. Um... As far as that goes, we brought in another guest in our revolving door of guests, as you know from listening to the show. He is from Memphis, Tennessee. Not sure if he's walking or running in Memphis, and he maybe has his feet 10 feet up the heel, or the feel, or whatever it is. Um, Let's welcome Zach White to the show. Zach, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. Definitely. So, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, Barn Burner Sports as right. you're on that. Yeah, so some friends and I were uh, from Memphis, went to the University of Memphis. Uh, Memphis is a really big basketball town uh, of all sports. Basketball is, is king in Memphis uh, from the high school level up to uh, the professional. Memphis has had the Grizzlies since the early 2000s. And Vancouver certainly does not miss them. I can't speak for that, but I'm glad that we have them. <laughs> <laughs> because in, when when they were in Vancouver as the Vancouver Grizzlies, I don't think they won 20 games in a season at, at all during that time. But we've all had here, too. But uh, you know, post-college, one of my friends was like, hey, made a – there wasn't a – like, Grizzlies and Tigers content in the city of Memphis. He was like, you know, we should start a website uh, by fans, for the fans of Memphis sports and, you know, kind of the surrounding area. Uh, similar to like some what some of the bigger markets have, um, like your L.A., New York, I'm sure they have tons of that. But in Memphis at the time, it wasn't uh, permeated yet. Uh, so we started The Barn Burner and it's kind of just we got a podcast network now. Uh, cover the Grizzlies pretty closely, the Tigers, and just having a good time with it. Yes, definitely. And so uh, I had said this off air, but I'll also say it on air too. People that know me well know that I was the only student in the halls of Kramer Junior High School in Essexville, Michigan, to have picked Memphis to not only go to the national championship game in 2008, but to win the national championship game in 2008. And Zach shares the same feelings that I do about the famed Mario Chalmers shot. Do we agree? Yeah, that's definitely one of the most infamous moments in Memphis sports history, for sure. Definitely of my generation. And as for this generation of Memphis ballers, um, it just hasn't been the same since Calipari left for Kentucky. Yeah, we've had uh, been to the tournament a couple times. Been to the tournament a couple. Yes, yeah, they're looking up now. <laughs> got, uh, got Penny Hardaway at the helm, number one recruiting class in the country uh, coming in this season. They're already practicing. The city is hyped. I'll tell you that much. And I'll also tell you that Michigan is hyped about Jawan Howard as well. I was not too thrilled to see Beeline leave for Cleveland. But last year he had interviewed for the Detroit Pistons job, which I would have actually liked to see beeline in Detroit. But Dwayne Casey has done a great job in Detroit for what he's got. I mean, you go from NBA Coach of the Year to being fired in the exact same sequence and moving to Detroit and taking a team that's been on the rebuild for years, ever since the Chauncey Phillips trade, let's get that straight, until now, and they finally... Made the they well they made the postseason for the second time since. But as far as the that postseason went, we can equivocate this to the the famous SpongeBob scene. Is this playoff basketball? No, this is Patrick. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a tough gig to get coach of the year and then get fired. But yeah, he's done a real good job in in Detroit for sure with what he's got to work with. Hmm. And so I will actually right now, since we're talking about Detroit, I'll make a few shout outs. They are golf related, but they're also sort of NBA related. 
I went to the PGA Tour event in Detroit last week, the Celebrity Shootout, and I will say that I got to meet Boyer O'Neill. And those that know me, the, those that know me well, know that. I'll be honest. I've crushed on Boyer O'Neill since I was 15 years old. I'm 24 now. We finally got to meet. Let's just say I'm glad that we met now rather than when I was 15 because that could have went very awkward. But thankfully, I was slightly starstruck, but thankfully things went well and it was awesome to meet Boyer. <laughs> <laughs> very true story. I tell the truth here on this show. And I also got to meet uh, Paige Speronic, who really doesn't come around the these routes, Detroit, Memphis, anywhere. She's she's also in Arizona, so it was great to meet Paige. She had been a lot through her social media stardom, so I, I told her, be confident in yourself. Don't let those social media trolls get in your way because sometimes those can really get people down and, you know, you just you just got to you just got to stay stay strong. So, great to meet Paige as well as Taryn Gregson. If you've heard of the Fox Sports Girls from years back, I was a huge fan of them too. Taryn was the Fox Sports Midwest girl that turned to a PGA Tour girl on Taryn's Tea Time on PGATour.com. Great personality. Got to meet her as well. And then we're going to go basketball-related. Michigan State head coach. Yes, I'm a Michigan fan. Got to meet Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo. It was something else. Um, he's a great guy. I told him to his face that I'm a Michigan fan, but I've always respected the hell out of him. In the years that he's coached Michigan State, he's beaten Michigan too many times, but that's just personal personal preference. And, uh, Zach, how would you feel if you met Tom Mizzo? Repeat that. Uh, how would you feel if you met Tom Mizzo? We had said this off air, but might as well bring it on here a little bit. Sorry, I cut out again. Okay. That's sometimes technical difficulties happen. How would you feel if you met Tom Mizzo? I think that would definitely be, like, uh, one of the most memorable things in my life. I really, uh... Respect, you know, a handful of coaches. Uh, that's a really, really tough job, especially someone that stayed with a program for so long and done such a good job. And, you know, he's just like such a hard ass. So yes, I think that is. would be a pretty cool moment. I, was he like really intimidating? That's how I picture him, at least. Uh, he was quite down to earth, and I kind of expected huh. that because um, you, you'd see those people are hard asses on, on the court. But off the court, they can be really down to earth, really nice people. They just are hard on the court, and some some players just learn that way and just expect it. When you expect it, it's not so bad. But when you see it for the first time, you get reactions like you see on social media when the freakout in the first NCAA tournament game against Bradley. I We're drawing a blank on who it was he, he freaked out at, but still, it's like, come on. That's how Izzo's been for years. They, they expect it, and they, they learn from it. I think if I met him and I had to ask him one question, it would be, why did Jaron Jackson Jr. only play like 15 minutes a game last year? Outside of fouls, what else kept him out of the game? That's what I would ask him. Yeah, that was the biggest question mark when he in the NCAA tournament in Detroit just last, not last season, but the season before. Of course, I didn't mind it as Syracuse beat Michigan State and not stayed out early, but... I mean, you had Miles Bridges, you had Jaron Jackson Jr., and you still can't get out of the first weekend? Something's wrong with that. Yeah, that's that's tough. Very tough, but at least, but not on Michigan fans like me. (laughs) (laughs) You you certainly didn't uh, feel bad for him, I'm sure. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you guys feel about that way about Tennessee, or tell me your big, you guys' biggest rival, if I'm... Well, I think that don't consider Memphis a rival, if that makes sense. Okay. Memphis kind of has a maybe like a little brother complex and is really wanting to beat up on Tennessee whenever possible. But the the truth of the matter is that to have a rivalry, you have to have won some games, and the majority of the time, Memphis does not beat Tennessee. 
Yeah, there so, is. So Tennessee doesn't really view Memphis as much of a, a threat, I think, in a lot of ways. Gotcha. So with that being said, moving to our NBA free agency breakdown. First, we're going to go to Stephen A. Smith's favorite team, and we better not dare be disrespectful, the New York Knicks. <laughs> he is probably still very upset that KD was not offered a max deal, and he's probably still upset that the, the Knicks were not able to land basically any huge name free agents. So, I will ask you, um, let's let's break down a little bit of this free agency debauchery in New York. How did they do? I think that they definitely were one of the losers of free agency. When you trade away your you know future centerpiece, Christoph Porzingis, to Dallas to essentially clear out cap space because your owner and everyone else is so confident that you will, in fact, be getting a superstar in this free agency class that uh, most of the guys have already decided where they're going. And then you get completely glossed over for your little brother down the street in Brooklyn. So that has got to be demoralizing, I think, for Knicks fans. And especially Stephen A. Smith, at which I had heard. Now, I'm... I don't really watch a lot of first take because I'm just not a fan of Molly Kiram, I'll be honest. But I had heard that Max Kellerman trolled Stephen A. Smith by uh, the different Nick jerseys with different big-name free agents on it that didn't go. Was that as funny as perceived? Oh, to me, it definitely is. Like you, I, I'm not sure, at least in the time that I've been an NBA fan, New York's not really been a relevant like high achieving franchise. So I'm not sure why they feel like they're owed something. If you think of the Boston's, uh, the, the Lakers, I get it. Storied franchise all the time, generation to generation. But at least right now, the Knicks are not that. So to just expect that free agency is going to come to you or free agents going to just come to you and you're the most sought after destination. I don't think that that's really grounded in anything. Of course, with the Knicks, the, their best time since I've really watched NBA a lot was Lynn Sanity back in 2011. Yeah. And if, you, if you've been a fan of the show and a fan of me for a while, you know that I had an affinity with Lynn Sanity when it was in New York, and I thought it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, we all appreciated that. <laughs> but nowadays, the Knicks are just like that family guy scene with Carter Pewter Schmidt. Ah, there in about an hour i'm gonna piss away 20 grand what are you gonna what are you gonna bet on the knicks <laughs> yeah that's a it's a tough tough spot that they're in right now <laughs> sadly seth mcfarland hit the nail on the head with new york sports especially with the mets too oh halloween is a bigger get down than being a mets fan opening day and here's the first pitch and the season's over. <laughs> so, my official thoughts on this next free agency is that this speaks more about James Dolan than it does about Kevin Durant, about Kyrie Irving, about Kemba Walker, about Jimmy Butler, or about any of the free agents, as well as the New York Knicks. Now, I understand why Dolan did not offer KD the max deal because they were concerned about his, his Achilles. He heard right. it in the finals. They didn't want to offer a max deal to a guy that perhaps could, might not even come back and play basketball, period. But the silver lining is James Dolan has made this that had basically what Stephen A. said about Porzingis. He led this team astray, run them amok, buried them to the ground, and is basically a dictator at Madison Square Garden, kicking fans out that he does not like, kicking former players out that he does not like, and basically putting the money that he could have spent on Kyrie or Kemba and put it in his pocket. James Dolan 
I, I might get kicked out of Madison Square Garden just for, for saying this on this show, but it's the damn truth. James Dolan needs to sell this team, and he needs to sell this team as soon as he turns off this show. I'm not kidding. Fans will not go to Madison Square Garden to watch Taj Gibson, Julius Randle, or whoever the whoever the rest they got on this team. They're going to be hardworking because David Fitzdale is a hardworking head coach. But they want to they want to come to watch KD. They want to come to watch Steph Curry. They want to come to watch Clay Thompson. They don't want to come to watch Julius Randle. And no disrespect to Julius Randle, young man. Lost his father early, learned a lot from his mother, is playing good basketball. But still, James Dolan, you messed this up, and you got to own it. you got to sell this team to someone who cares about this organization. And for the love of God, let Stephen A. Smith be happy for one day. <laughs> Can we all live with ourselves if Stephen A. Smith is actually happy? What, well, imagine <laughs> that level of smugness. <laughs> Only Skip Bayless would be would still be pissed. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that's probably that's probably the longest rant I've had on this show about NBA. But um, anything to add or any disagreements or what to that to that rant? No, like you mentioned, Julius Randle, he's a pretty solid player. He declined his option in New Orleans because he was. It was a pretty low option. He was trying to get a payday. He played really well last season, so he's on a uh, three-year, $65 million contract, which seems pretty good, but both player and team friendly. Um, but he's not the kind of guy that you can like build a team around. He could, If you're a championship team or a really good team, he's probably going to be your third or fourth option, not the guy that you go to immediately after you don't get your big fish. Exactly. And... Um... Let's see. Well, and and let's just kind of break down who who they actually got. Is you know, it does this core that the Knicks got? Will this help them be be re- rebuild this next season under David Fitzdale? Oh, I don't think so at all. They really just went out and got. I mean, they got a couple wing players. You got uh, Wayne Ellington, uh, Reggie Bullock, some guys that can shoot the three pretty decent. Um, Alfred Payton. If that's your like big point guard get, that's going to be a problem because he's he's definitely not in the upper echelon of point guard. I think he's still trying to. He showed a glimpse of brilliance in um, in Phoenix, but he's not the kind of guy that is going to lead your team like on a deep playoff run. That's just not happening. Yeah, and, you know, you got a journeyman and Taj Gibson. Uh, it's it's kind of just a hodgepodge of of players is kind of how I feel like. They got several guys on short-term deals just to kind of try to keep their head above water and win like 20 games. I don't know. Yeah, like, like I had said in my rant, I think they will work hard under David Fitzdale, but it's almost similar to this ball game that I'm watching right now as we record between the Detroit Tigers and Chicago White Sox. Almost like a Ron Garden hire squad right now. They have a manager, they have a coach, they have no players. Yeah. So. Yeah, you, you gotta, in the NBA, you have to have, to really compete, you have to have all-star caliber players. And not just one, you have to have multiple. And this team doesn't. So I don't see things turning around for the Knicks. You know, they were piss poor this year, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. If nothing else, they might win 25 or 30 at most, and right. that's kind of a stretch. Yeah, they, it was kind of funny because, you know, they had uh, incredible odds to get Zion, and then that didn't happen. And then they also struck out on all the free agents, so they just have been taking L's right and left. In the words of a famous meme from when I graduated high school in 2013, Dolan, please. Dolan, please. (laughs) So that's our next tape talk. We're going to move just a few miles down the road to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. We talked about the Knicks not getting KD or Kyrie. Let's talk about the hardworking Nets that got the reward of KD and Kyrie. How does this help the Nets for 
next season? I don't think so. Obviously, Durant, he's going to be out probably right. the whole season, is what so, people are projecting. So, yes, Nets fans, just like Aaron Rodgers said, and I, and I hate Rodgers too, R E L A X, relax. Durant's not going to be playing. Don't freak out. He's going to come back. He's going to be healthy at some point. You're not going to win a championship this year unless Zach disagrees with me and he and he'll get to set that chance to speak after. But R E L A X, relax. Anyway, continue. No, I don't think championship is a goal by any <laughs> means. But I think that with the additions that they made, they will take a few steps forward from an already pretty solid squad that they had last year. Guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, uh, Jared Allen. Michigan really, man LeVert. <laughs> re- yeah, really coming along, those guys. Um, and I think, you know, I'm, I am curious to see the Kyrie element because, you know, if you talk to anyone from Boston, uh, especially named Bill Simmons, then you just have your, your view of Kyrie's tainted that he's kind of a chemistry wrecker you know, a team record came in, something that was good, and, you know, the team was better off without him. So, curious to see if that carries over to Brooklyn or if he's able to actually benefit this young team that is already moving in the right direction. Yeah, and the thing about Kyrie, and I'll kind of side tangent here to, to Kyrie, is that Kyrie seemed like that, I guess, that, that first girlfriend that you get that you just think is going to be pure bliss and that's when he said i'm signing in boston next year and then about a year into said relationship you think you know this really isn't working out why the hell did i did i did i do this and he backs out and goes to goes to the rival even though the rival that's not really the rival brooklyn just so she she kind of dumped you for the ex that you still kind of like in the end i guess if right say that but the celtics for celtics fans fear not because you got a player that's basically going to produce the same numbers as kyrie and kemba walker with two years yeah with two years extra experience plus someone that wants to play for you so this second so this second girlfriend that you get is going to work out a hell of a lot better than the first because you realize that, hey, here's the mistakes that I made in my first relationship. Let's let's correct these mistakes for the second relationship. And when the, the Celtics will do that with Kemba. But besides the point, Ky- back to Kyrie. Going to Brooklyn, and Brooklyn has proven that you can rebuild and not tank. Because Brooklyn has just had a hard-working squad under Kenny Atkinson with, like we said, Karis LeVert, um, now DeAndre Jordan's coming there. In fact, Durant and Kyrie took less than the max so that DeAndre could go there. You could see their brothers. Um, they have just been a hard-working squad that made the postseason last year and challenged in the postseason So if I were a Brooklyn Nets fan right now, I would be excited. I would probably want to get season tickets, maybe not courtside, but a few rows up because I want to actually see the court and what's going on. (laughs) But still, I would be very excited right now as a Brooklyn fan. And to Kyrie's point, Kyrie will learn from Boston as well. Kyrie just didn't want to be there the the last month and a half. And you could see it as the Celtics were playing better without Kyrie. So with Kyrie at a new team, new digs, new attitude, new team, I think Ky- this I think this is a great move for Kyrie, and he will he will be a better player in Brooklyn. I hope. Anything to add or dis- dissent or anything you have for from that? I uh, I think that DeAndre Jordan that was kind of a surprising piece. I don't know if people necessarily expected that to happen. Uh, but I am curious to see how that works out with Jared Allen because he's kind of coming into his own great defensive center. Uh, curious to see, like, the chemistry there, uh, who's going to come off the bench, kind of how that's going to play out. And then they also signed Garrett Temple, who was a part-time Grizz last year. But that guy is going to be 
Uh, he'll really take kind of the Jared Dudley locker room guy. He was he's got a great reputation for just being a you know a, a professional pretty much with everyone that he comes in contact with and keeping people on the right path. So I think that's mm-hmm. going to be very helpful for their team. Kind of one of those underrated things that some veterans can do for you. So by Jared Dudley, do you mean Elmer Fudd? Yes, exactly. <laughs> the, the bowling ball of basketball of the NBA. <laughs> now I'm just imagining the Elmer Fudd meme just wearing a Lakers jersey. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, I like memes. <laughs> In fact, I will tell you on my personal Twitter, after the Knicks signed Julius Randle, I made my own Despicable Me meme. It's the one with uh, Gru. First, we'll trade Porzingis for cap space. Next, we'll... <laughs> Next, we'll not draft Zion Williamson. I didn't say exactly that, but... Okay, then we'll tank for the number one draft pick. Then we'll sign Julius Randle. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Master plan there. They succeeded if that was the plan. (laughs) But yes, I I have an affinity with meme culture, (laughs) as we see on NBA Twitter. Um, Oh yeah, it's awesome. So and and that's a that's a. Definitely interesting place, NBA Twitter, where a team that's where the worst team that wins is perceived as the best, and the best team that loses is perceived as the worst. NBA Twitter, where overreactions are overplayed. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) So, with that being said, moving from the Nets to Jared, doing from Jared Dudley's old team, the Nets, to Jared Dudley's new team. The Lakers. This has been a very interesting free agency so far, as they are looking for a superstar. Wait, they already have one. Oh, wait, but he's getting older. So wait, we need another one. Yeah, we did get another one in Anthony Davis, but we need another one in Kawhi Leonard. So um, let's just let's assume they don't get Kawhi Leonard. How did the Lakers do in free agency so far? Uh, so far, they have not done too much. They got, uh, they're signed Troy Daniels for you know, the, the minimum, I believe, of one year. Okay. And I think if they don't, even if they do get quiet, they're going to be signing a lot of guys to these one and two year contracts just to try to, they're not going to have a lot of cap space. So they're going to be just kind of scrounging around. You and I could probably round out this starting lineup over there and still make it to the playoffs. And then uh, Jared Dudley went there, so kind of a lot of stuff we talked about with him with Brooklyn. Uh, he listened to him on the Woj Pod this morning, and he's pretty much he was he was angling to get there to play with LeBron because he basically he wants to win the championship at this point. He said he's made his money, um, so he he ran the deal through LeBron, and I guess LeBron King LeBron signed off on it, and so there he is out in L.A. And yes, Cole, um, as far as Lakers free agency, um, like I said, they had, they had the one and two year pieces. Um, that would be an interesting lineup with, um, LeBron James, Kawhi, or LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Zach White, and Tom Green at center. <laughs> the five, the five, eight, two, 228 pound big guy in the middle. Yes, that that act that is my actual height and weight. <laughs> the 5'9", 228 stud at center, and then he got Zach White out in the wing. Who, if Kawhi's getting blocked, he can just ship it out to to White for three. And and if no White shit. misses, fast as humanly possible. Yeah, and if White misses, Green can get the rebound and jump like two feet, get the rebound, and just throw it off the glass and in. <laughs> Poor Kyle Kuzma is going to have to come off the bench in that scenario, but that's fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, Kuzma, I only live about an hour away from Flint, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> the Kuz. Um, so, I think the Lakers, yeah, the Lakers will be fine. Um, even if they don't make the playoffs, they have their history. Just it's kind of it's kind of like that the meme with the dog. 
in the house that's burning. This is fine. Everything is fine. Yeah, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the the Lakers, if they get Kawhi, they get Kawhi, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna compete for a championship in the West. If they don't get Kawhi, they're gonna compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, I, I, they'll for sure be in the playoffs if the guys if uh, you know Anthony Davis and LeBron are healthy. They'll get a playoff spot, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens past that. Really, Kawhi just got us all on pins and needles, so <laughs> so we can like really decide the tiers of all the teams until he makes his decision. And speaking of Kawhi Leonard, why don't we answer the biggest free agency question so far? Where will Kawhi end up? I don't know. So, who was it? This Jalen. Yeah, Jalen said... Uh, Jalen Rose? Yeah, Jalen Rose said... Michigan man. That he, that he was 99% of what he's hearing is that Kawhi's going to stay in Toronto. And then, you know, a lot of other people are saying he's going to be going to L.A. It sounds like more the Lakers or the Raptors, returning to the Raptors. It sounds like the Clippers may be kind of sliding down because they have, you know, their little brother in that city, pretty yeah. much. The Clippers have made the playoffs each yeah. of the last three seasons, and yet Los Angeles is still a Laker town. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funky because that's a much better, well-run franchise. You know, they've made savvy moves. They've stockpiled a lot of picks, got several young, good players on good contracts. And you know, L.A.'s just been a, a shitstorm over there pretty much for the past few seasons. That tells chaos and yeah. disarray. That just tells you how dedicated Lakers fans are to their Lakers. Oh, no, no doubt. I uh, I will give him props there. So you always got to know if the Lakers are going to turn it around at some point, just because of the brand. Which you know, frankly, I'm jealous of because Grizzlies have no such brand. But you know, good for them. Pretty much. So. As far as, yeah, my answer to the uh, Kawhi question is sort of in a short note that I will speak. I didn't write, but I will speak. Dear Kawhi, dear Kawhi Leonard, to whom it may concern, you just won a championship in a country that has not won a championship since before I was born. I was born in 1995. The Canucks won the title in 1992. Or 93, excuse me. 93. The country of Canada is looking at you in a very positive light. This country loves you. This country adores you. Why the hell would you want to leave a country that you just brought a championship for a franchise that hasn't won a championship since Kobe Bean Bryant played there. Why would you want to leave a country that adores you for a team that will adore a star that isn't named Kawhi Leonard? But if once you make your decision, own it, run with it, live it, and love it. Aha, ha, ha, ha. Sincerely, Tom Green, Tom TV 23. Did you do his laugh synced up to the NBA on NBC song? That's the question. <laughs> Is that how you would present that? I did not, but but I have seen this video, and it is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Kawhi, <laughs> Kawhi goes to the media for the first time in a long time and says, and does his laugh and gets trolled. So with that spoken letter, I think Kawhi will stay in Toronto, but I could see Kawhi going to the Lakers as well for that core to win a championship. I think it would be kind of silly for him to do it, but money talks, and I could see him I could see him doing it. Yeah, and he's also he's from California. There's there's several things that kind of play into it, but 
I, I personally would, I don't know, like to see him return to Toronto, I think, and try to run it back with that squad. As I had said in the final show, sometimes when we're having problems with our bodies, we need a nurse to figure it out. And Toronto had LeBron problems. So LeBron went to the West, and they hired a nurse to track their problems and solve them. They were solved by winning the Larry O'Brien trophy. (laughs) Yeah. That'll do it. Winning kills everything. Exactly. And that's what Nick Nurse did for the city of Toronto. (laughs) So with that being said, you're a Grizzlies fan. We brought you in from Memphis, even though you're vacationing in ironically Traverse City right now. Um, Tell us about your Grizzlies free agents. So Memphis... We, a little backstory, I guess. That's, sure. Uh, to, just so everyone knows why the recent flurry of transactions. So we had Chris Wallace, former Boston general manager, has been our general manager on two terms. Uh, but he was, after this season, uh, demoted to an, a different role. Exiled, essentially. And then we had a couple guys within the organization promoted to uh basically the GM position and then president of business and basketball um, kind of has set the franchise on a new, a new path instead of we're trying to compete with this dwindling old team with guys like Mike Conley, Marcus all, we're going to do what's best for the future of the franchise looking, you know, three, four years down the road as you should at this point. So uh, kind of the big deal was, Obviously, Mark was traded to Toronto, won a title up there. So Mike Conley was kind of the last remaining um, original Memphis Grizzly. Not original, original, but like original from the days where we were actually a relevant team. So he was traded to Utah for three players and a couple of first-round draft picks. So a pretty good haul. And that was before the drafts. That helped the Grizzlies to have two first-round draft picks, which they took Brandon Clark um, with the second one out of Gonzaga. So we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out for him in the late first round. And um, Jonas Valanciunas re-signed with the Grizzlies. He had a player option that he opted out of, but then renegotiated a longer-term contract. So he was a... Uh, very helpful member of the team for the last 20 or so games last year. Um, he's everyone liked him, a solid big man entering his prime, someone that could play alongside our rookie, Karen Jackson Jr. And then trying to get the cr- chronological order. That was um, that was obviously a big deal. Him resigning, so then that kind of cemented our front court. And then we, when we traded Mike to Utah, we got a traded player exception, which allowed us uh, to take Andre Iguodala from the Warriors and a first-round pick so that they could free up space to do a multi-team trade for um, D'Angelo Russell to create room for Kyrie Irving. So it's like a huge waterfall of events, pretty much. So then we got Iguodala through that. And then a couple more things happened just today, actually. Chandler Parsons, who has been on a... uh, I don't know if the rest of the NBA is aware of how annoying that his situation is to Grizzlies fans, but he was signed as a free agent in 2016 when cash was really flush. It's a $25 million a year contract for four years, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so his contract's expiring at the end of the upcoming season. Uh, But pretty much the Grizzlies don't want him on the roster. He's played like less than a full season out of three seasons. And he's just kind of caused some strife, leaked things to the media, things have been pretty unprofessional. But we were able to trade him to Atlanta today for uh, a couple guys. And what that did was it eliminated or gave them an extra roster spot in Atlanta and also got Chandler Parsons the heck out of here. And then we're like, 
okay, this is good. You know, got rid of Chandler. Well, the Mike Conley trade kept on giving. The Grizzlies traded Kyle Korver, who was one that they got from Utah, Mm -hmm. and Javon Carter, who was a second-round draft pick last year, point guard out of West Virginia, who uh, is known for his defense, I guess is how you could say it. Um, Had one of the more historically terrible shooting and offensive seasons ever. You know, he's a rookie, but he's a four-year player at West Virginia, so a little bit more was expected of him. Uh, but traded to Phoenix for Josh Jackson, former number four overall pick from a few years ago, and DeAnthony Melton, uh, a point guard, um, very young point guard, and also a second-round draft pick. So basically, the theme for the Grizzlies is that the Mike Conley trade has really just allowed Memphis to stockpile assets for future drafts and kind of prep for the future, if you will. They got something like $60 million coming off the books after this season. So they should have, they're looking for teams to trade them bad contracts for multiple years in exchange for picks so that we can kind of try and do what some of these other teams have done, like, like Danny H does in Boston pretty much. Gotcha. Very. So, so everyone's very, very optimistic that our front office seems active. We have an actual direction um, and things seem to be looking up. And obviously this all started with incredible luck in the lottery this year. The Grizzlies finished eighth from the bottom and had like 5% chance to get where they landed. They jumped up to the number two pick through the draft lottery, which was, that's just mind blowing. Definitely. Very good assessment on the Grizzlies. Of course, my question for you is, Jonas Valanciunas and Mark Gasol, do <laughs> they look like the same person? That if, from afar, uh, they're both, let's say this, they're both very, like, um, very bearded, gruff, grizzled men. So you could definitely mistake the two. I think Mark's a little, Mark's a little pudgier, maybe. But uh, they definitely have the same, you know, general features. I remember watching the Raptors in a regular season game after the trade, and I thought to myself, wait a minute, that was Gasol? I thought that was Valanchunas. Yeah, I thought they traded him. <laughs> I thought it was the exact same guy out there. But as as for your analysis, yeah, the Grizzlies are building themselves a squad. They're... In in the NBA, you're either you're either on one side of the totem pole or on the other. Except if you're Brooklyn and you can rebuild while you win. Yeah. Um, the Grizzlies have chosen the option to rebuild, and so far they are using their assets wisely. Um, now, the question is if they can get a coach like Dave Yeager, and I'm not and remind me of who their coach is. Is it still JB Bickerstaff? No, he was let go. Pretty unceremoniously after one year of being uh, the full-time head coach. He served as interim a little bit when Fizdale was fired uh, his previous season. And then last year, he was the head coach for the and, – and then he was fired along with Chris Wallace. But now we brought in uh, Taylor Jenkins, who was an assistant under Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee. And who's also uh, – he comes from the Greg Popovich coaching tree. He coached in the – the D-League for the Spurs, I believe he was also okay. an assistant for them, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So if he can coach up the squad like Dave Yeager coached the squad, and this was my yeah. assessment of that team years ago. Dave Yeager basically had a 2K squad, something you'd build in 2K, and brought them to the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, as far as X's and O's goes... I think Jaeger's probably one of the better coaches that Memphis has ever had, for sure. But he just did, he didn't get along with that front office, and it seems like that's kind of followed him around. Uh, he's kind of butted heads with people, despite his incredible basketball acumen. Yes, and that was my theory about the Sacramento Kings as well. And I actually, I actually at work today. I I'll be honest. I work at a Kroger's and as a cashier. I was having this conversation with one of my coworkers today. I think Vlade Divac made a stupid mistake 
by getting rid of David Yeager after one year. Now, they hired someone who is kind of a hit-or-miss coach in Luke Walton. He was definitely a hit at Golden State. He was a miss for the Lakers and Magic and Genie Buss. But if he can hit with Sacramento and Vlade Divac, that team can make the playoffs. And unfortunately, they I think they had a huge loss, bigger loss than people think, losing Willie Cauley-Stein. But they have a young squad. They have a, a young nucleus in De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald. And I'm excited to see where that team is going to go in the next year or so. Sadly, it won't be under David Yeager. It'll be under Luke Walton. But Sacramento has got a team that um, should not be overlooked. Yeah, I agree. They're definitely a league me. Someone that, if I dare stay up that late, I live in the central time zone, so I, I guess eastern time is even makes that even later uh, for you. But So you live that, in uh, slow time Tennessee, don't you? A little bit. Yeah, I did. I did my little southern accent there in slow time Tennessee. Just a notch or two slower. <laughs> now the funny thing is, I'm of course I told you off air. I'm a Detroit Tigers, Chicago Cubs fan. When I'm watching Cubs baseball, I feel as if I'm in the Central Time Zone, but yet I'm in the Eastern Time Zone. I'm watching this Tigers-White Sox game right now as we record. It's on the south side. My body feels like I'm on central time. But I am in the eastern time zone. It's the weirdest thing. And if you were, I guess if you were a fan of an eastern time zone team, you'd probably feel the same way about that. As your body would feel like it's an eastern time, but you're on central time. I'm definitely going to have to be catching some Nets games, so we'll see about how that works out. <laughs> it's Maybe it's just a personal feeling, but it's like I watch Chicago sports and I feel like I'm in the central time zone, yet the clock is an hour f- faster than I thought it was. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Being on Eastern time. But thankfully, I've never messed this up with work, because with work, I go on Eastern time. With sports... I'm on Chicago time. <laughs> the weirdest thing, but that's but that's just me. In fact, if you're listening to this show and you feel the same way I do, and it doesn't matter what team you support, like you could be on East Coast on the East Coast and support the Lakers, or on the West Coast and support Manchester United, on um, let's say on London time and support the Yankees, um, doesn't matter. Let me know if you feel that exact same way, because that's, I'm not sure this is a personal feeling or something that is around the entirety of sports. But um, I guess the last thing we'll get to with this free agency show will be the Warriors, as we talked about um, D'Angelo Russell, Willie Cauley-Stein going to the Warriors. Um, Losing KD hurt in an immense way to that team. But they still have the core. Would Steph play Draymond? Well, let's first answer the question, are they still a playoff team? Yeah, I think so. I think that they will be, with Clay, you know, maybe coming back late season or in the playoffs, I think trying to get home court advantage has got to be their goal for the season. Uh, And that'll probably be, you know, a pretty tough task, considering how... Things are kind of flattening out everywhere. It's not as top-heavy in the West as it has been. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's before, you know, it depends on where Kawhi goes. If he goes to L.A., then I would say that makes them makes it a little bit top-heavy like it has been with them. But uh, I think that they're still a playoff team. Yeah, and I agree with you. I honestly think they're still a playoff team as well. I have been saying it on my personal Twitter, and I will say it on the show. They may have lost the NBA Finals, but the dynasty is not over until Mike Breen or Marv Albert, whoever the broadcaster says, the Golden State Warriors fail to advance to the NBA Finals for the first time in six years. Until that phrase is said and is truth, the Warriors dynasty is not over, in my opinion. Losing KD hurts them. Because they were a 73-9 team sans KD and still lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016. 
But the dynasty's still going on despite losing a finals. They still have made five straight NBA championships. You can't take away what's happened in the past. Only the future can be altered. And the future can be altered by Steve Kerr, by general management, and by who is on the court. So will they make the playoffs? I think is an absolute yes. Now, let's look at will they make the NBA Finals? And this is a huge, um, the, the huge yeah. factor on this is Clay Thompson. Go ahead and answer. Yeah, I think, will they make the Finals? Um, if I had to put money, I would say not at this point. I, just, I wouldn't have the confidence that bringing in, even if Clay does come back, if you got, you know, D'Angelo Russell, if he, a lot of people think that he will be moved and that he's just kind of there to help them out until Clay gets back. Um, but having three guards like that is going to be challenging, chemistry wise. And no matter what, they'll be trying to figure that out at the very end of the season. So I would think that I'm gonna. I would say the Lakers would be uh, a team that with more chance to make the finals than the Warriors at this point. And let's also not discount a team that um, almost made the Western Conference Finals and a delicacy that I enjoyed for dinner tonight with my Fireball and Diet Coke, Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets. Yeah, yeah, Nuggets. Um, And also Utah. A lot of of talking heads are really in on Utah and keep mentioning them being a potential contender. With bringing in Mike Conley and some of the other moves that they've made, I'm not 100% sold on Utah being there, but uh, we'll see what shakes out. Yeah, and I'll tell you another aha moment I had in the world of sports. Not last, not this past season, but the season before. Oklahoma City against Utah, that series. Just about everybody and their brother picked OKC to win that series. But guess who, and maybe the only guy in the state of Michigan that picked Utah to win the series, guess who picked Utah to win that series? I think I know. I did. Ah. (laughs) I picked Utah because I thought, you know, Mello Mello is a ball hog. I got to say it. Mello is a ball hog, and he destroyed the Thunder that year. You've seen them. I'm sure you've seen this meme. When you think you got an A on the test, but you actually got F, that was that was that Thunder team. <laughs> and the best moment, best moment of that series, was Game Four, when Russell Westbrook got foul number four in the first half. And as a as a conservative, and I won't say anything more politically on the show because it's a sports show, but seeing Mitt Romney taunt. Russell Westbrook was hilarious. That's four. That's four. (laughs) Oh, man. I I was rolling in my chair watching that, watching Romney taunt Westbrook in that series. But I told you, sometimes, sometimes I have a way of picking series, just like I did with the Memphis Tigers. And sometimes I'm right, and sometimes I am wrong. So I'll ask you, because I've made two aha moments, have there been any aha moments like that that you've had predicting sports series? Um, you know, I don't usually spend the amount of time necessary to put into something to, like, actually reap the benefits there, honestly. I've uh, made some brackets, and I've won a bracket pool one year out of 100 people back when Cal won his title at Kentucky, but I, I I can't say that I usually pick something where it's a super surprise, I guess. I guess I must be more dedicated in this industry than I thought I was. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be out, and I'll be honest on this show, I have been wanting to work in sports since high school, since before high school. In fact, I'll actually... Uh, tag you in an interest thread, but the interest thread um, goes a little bit like um, I had started doing PA for SXO football when I was in seventh grade. Trenton Robinson was a senior at Bay City Central, was in the booth. Oh, wow. And I actually tried to convince him to go to Michigan. 
<laughs> Obviously, we know how that went, but I tried. And where there is someone famous that works at Fox Sports that went to Essexville Garber High School. His name starts with a J, and it ends in On Morosi. <laughs> I've actually networked with him a couple times. I've yet to get him on the show, but I have spoken to him a few times, and he's kind of helped me get my start, I guess, in this industry. That's awesome. So I guess I'll name a couple more aha moments before we start to wrap things up. Um, first huge upset I picked right was Stephen F. Austin over VCU in 2014. If you remember the four-point play that sent that game to overtime. <laughs> um, I forget who shot the three, but it was, of course, a four-point play that sent that game to overtime to defeat VCU and Shaka Smart back in 2014. Mm. Um, and also 2015, it was. The next, the very next year, Hawaii beating Cal in the first round. Um, I had picked this before, of course, Thursday had started up. It turns out that Sam Singer, Cal's point guard, was ruled out for Friday for that for that Friday game, and Hawaii upset Cal. So, two huge upsets that I predicted yeah. on my bracket. But as far as actual bracket pools, the second weekend kills me every single year. <laughs> For whatever reason, I just cannot nail the set the second weekend down. I nail the first, but not the second. And I, I'm lucky to get two Final Four teams in. Like this year, I did not have a Final Four team. Yeah, I don't think I did either. It was just that crazy. I was shot. That's what makes the tournament so great. Mm-hmm. Because anything can happen. Upsets can happen in a single elimination format. Uh, so, with that being said, I will ask you the famed final question that I ask all my guests. Is there anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? No, I just appreciate you having me on, getting talk hoops. It's an awesome time of year. NBA never stops, which is what makes the league so much fun to me. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I, I, I've i kind of dogged NBA Twitter, but NBA Twitter is interesting to see the takes that many people around not only this country but around the world have in one professional sport, let alone the other three, NFL, NHL, MLB. But yeah. so much love on Twitter for one professional sport. It in it, it amazes me that so many people are interested in hearing just from, well, I guess this is um, a bit far-fetched, but they're interested in hearing whether or not LeBron went to the bathroom, let alone <laughs> where, LeBron, where LeBron played. Now, I haven't seen an actual tweet about that, but I'm just giving a you know whacked-out example. But that's how whacked-out NBA Twitter can be. <laughs> Let's be honest oh, here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely a global brand. Mm -hmm. So, um, for those that wish to follow you, uh, tell us your tell us your Twitter and Twitter name and all that. Cool. Yeah, you can follow me at BarnburnerBro and also uh, at Backdoor Cut Show, which is the name of a podcast uh, that some guys and I do over uh, at the Barnburner. So definitely check out the Barnburner Show. And as for me, you always know at TomTV23. At Tom Green Pod, follow up this Twitter. Um, every so often, I'll post some some questions and stuff like that. I'm gonna get back to doing that a little bit more, especially after I get back from the vacation. I am going on to Cleveland for All Star Week for baseball. That's gonna be great. Probably not going to the actual game because tickets are just that expensive. But we'll be definitely be checking out some of the sites in Cleveland. So if you're interested in hearing about my life. Off this podcast, follow me at TomTV23. Um, follow the Barn Burner Bro because he is a Barn Burner and he's a bro, as we found out on the show. <laughs> follow his podcast, follow my podcast. He is Zach White, and this has been the Tom Green Podcast.